Let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke. God is good, isn't he? We're digging into his word. And, you know, if you've been with us the past couple weeks, we've been talking about God. How does God cause you to grow in capacity? How does God cause you to be able to carry more than you could carry before? To be able to hear what you couldn't hear before? To be able to walk in what you couldn't walk in before? To see what you couldn't see? We all know this, God does not want you to stay where you've always been. God is, he's so loving towards you. He's a good father, amen, he's a really good father. And a good father does not leave their child in infancy when their child is able to grow. So God knows what you're able to do because he put that ability in you. He doesn't want to leave you the same that you've always been. He accepts you just as you are, but he doesn't keep you in that place. He causes you to grow. So if I want to expand, if I want to grow in capacity, Lord, use me in, in ways that I haven't been used before. Last week we talked about being able to hear differently, being able to hear what we couldn't hear before. Jesus talked about that, about some that were able to hear certain things. He said, I have more to say to you, but you can't hear it right now. Last week, if you were here, we uh, gave the example, like if I just said, hey, everybody, we're going to walk to Kid Scotty. Let's do it right now. Amen. Right? Well, yeah, you had a week to think about this. <laughs> we were going to do that. Let's just walk to Kid Scotty. Well, some people are like, okay, I, all right, I'm just trusting God here. Some people would be like, well, that's a little too crazy for church on a Sunday morning. But then if you said, you know, let's walk to Mary Brown or let's walk to McDonald's or let's just walk around the room or walk across the aisle and shake somebody's hand. We've all got different limits as to what we're allowed to hear. What we are willing to hear, right? You know where your limit is. What is he allowed to say to me this morning? What is God allowed to say to me this morning? Now I realize there's a big difference between me and God. And so you might say, well, that's just that preacher's opinion. I, I, totally, I get what you're saying. But at the same time, when we preach his word, the preacher is not the point. He's the point. And so God is going to speak to you through his word. And so what are you able to hear from God? Because as we read last week, Jesus is not afraid to push you past, push you past your comfort, push you past your level of offense, right? Push you right to the edge of what you're willing to hear somebody say. And so I, I thank God that I don't serve a God who is afraid to hurt my feelings or afraid to shock me or afraid to push me or stretch me. I thank God that I have a good father. Amen. I have a good father. And you fathers and mothers, you parents here, you know that when you love your child and you really love them, you love this kid with all your heart, you are not going to let them stay a baby forever. You're going to help them to grow, right? Some of the stuff they figure out. And there's other things you got to, you got to push them. It's time to do this. It's time to do this now. And, and uh, you know, there are times they'd say, you know, if I, if I had my way, I would always just go to the bathroom right here in my diaper. I'm fine with that. I don't have to go to the, I don't have to walk to the washroom. I can just right here wherever I am and you'll change it. You'll clean me up. Isn't that nice? It's funny how many of us Christians can do that, right? Lord, I, I'm just going to, you, you'll clean me up, but I'm just going to do this right now because I feel like it. I don't feel like, you know, being potty trained. I don't feel like that's my reality. I think I'm happy right where I am. God's not happy right where you are. God loves you enough that he won't, he'll take you where you are and he won't leave you where you are. Amen. So Luke chapter 8, it, Jesus is wrapping up the parable or the explanation of the parable of the sower. He's told his disciples that because they've got ears to hear, 
hearts to understand and eyes to see that God's going to reveal them to them the mysteries of the kingdom. But to those others whose hearts have become dull, whose hearing has become dull, who have shut their eyes, he said they scarcely see, they scarcely hear, and they don't understand. Remember last week we talked about Jesus said, if your heart was open, you'd understand. And the way we see it is, if you were smart enough, you'd understand, right? If you weren't such a knucklehead, you'd understand this. If you weren't so dense, you'd understand. And yet Jesus said, Father, you've revealed this to babies. Now, you have to get used to walking with Jesus and being insulted quite often. Because he constantly said things like that. Now, we hear that and we go, praise the Lord. He, you revealed mysteries of heaven to us. But can you imagine being the disciples thinking, you know, you're grown men. Thinking you've done something in your life and, and you have this revelation from God and Jesus just rejoices and goes, thank you, Lord. You revealed it even to these babies. Even to these, even in the, you know, I mean, you're not, you're not feeling pretty pumped up right there. But this is important. It's important because they didn't get the revelation they had by just saying, I'm smart enough to get it, or, or I've learned enough to know it. They got it because God revealed it, right? But the Bible also tells us in order for God to reveal something, somebody's got to hear it, right? Jesus constantly said he would start his messages with this. Sometimes he'd interrupt his sermons with this. Hey, if anybody's got an ear, hear this. Now, you might think he's saying sort of along the lines of let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everybody's got ears, so he wants everybody to hear. But that's not what he says. He says he who has an ear to hear. If you have an ear to hear, in other words, if you're here to hear what I have to say, hear this. But you have to, we have to know that not everybody that was there was there to hear something. Not, not everybody was there was willing to hear something. Remember in the book of Revelation when he writes seven letters to seven churches, those letters aren't just for those churches because in each of those letters he says to him who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And so this is an encouragement for us to wake up our ears, to carve out our ears, to let God carve them out, get the wax out of them, to begin to listen again and hear. And I want you to see something very important in Luke chapter 8 as he's finishing the explanation of the parable of the sower. Now let me just read the whole explanation because I think it'll, it'll, it'll be a help and a blessing to us. Luke 8, verse 10, he says, To you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And those beside the road are those that have heard and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. These are people with a hard heart. They don't want to hear it. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. Well, that sounds like just the perfect person, doesn't it? But we're not done. It says, and they have no firm root. So they believe for a while and in a time of temptation. Or Jesus, it says in one of the other gospels, in a time of affliction, when things get hard, they fall away. I know people like this. I've been people like this. Where, you know, you when you have the emotion in the room and the, and the momentum of the service and the Spirit of God is moving and you're seeing miracles and you're like, I believe and I'll never stop believing. But then if you don't go past Sunday morning, 
If you don't go past an experience, I don't care if it's here or if you're at Asbury or if you're at Bethel or if you're at wherever you want to be. If you're up on a mountain in India, if you're just chasing experience and you don't go past the experience, God will use experience. Amen. Thank God for revival. May it come. May God continue to cause, it, cause his spirit to shake the church and shake the city. But I want to tell you, you can't just stay on experience. you got to go further than that. So these people are pumped up in the experience. They receive the word with joy. But in a time of hardship, in a time of temptation, or affliction, persecution, they fall away. He says, the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who've heard... As they go on their way, they're choked with worries and riches and the pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. These are the people that get so busy, Lloyd Minster. They get so busy with their job. They get so busy with their kids' sports. They get so busy with, with try, you know, trying to make sure I've got enough to retire on or I can have that boat in the cabin on the lake that they spend all their time and their energy on these things and not on the Word of God. God doesn't say that... that that you can't have these things, or you can't walk in these things, but if these are your focus, they'll choke out the word of God in your life. If you're too busy for the word, because I want you to hear this, you cannot passively receive the word of God. You can't passively receive it. You can't just say, if God wants to change me, he'll change me. No, he's already given you the tools. He's already given you the weapons of the warfare. He's already said, here it is. Now you have to dig into this, right? Jesus said, the one who hears my words and does them is like a man who digs down deep to a foundation, then builds on it. He digs down till he gets to a foundation. So when you hear the word, how deep in your life is it going? Is it touching those areas of your life that form the very character of who you are? Is the word of God allowed to totally transform your image of who you think you are, all your identity that you've based on your whole life? You know, you have a foundational identity that you say, this is who I am. I hope people know me for who I am. Or maybe you're one of those people that says, I hope people never find out who I am. But you have something you've built your life on. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I stand for. These are the things that make me, me. Can the word of God go that deep and touch that foundation, begin to change that foundation, change who you are? Can it touch every area that you've experienced trauma? Can it touch every area that you've experienced victory? Can it touch every area that you said, I'll never change this about myself or I could never change even if I wanted to? Is the word of God allowed to hit you at your deepest identity? Because that's your foundation. And we live in a culture now that we, we have, we are, we're, we're forming our identity based on how, I mean, this is, I say we live in a culture, this has always been the culture, this has always been the spirit of the world, is we create ourselves, right? When you don't trust the creator, you create yourself. And so you begin to create an identity, and you say, this is who I am, and this is who I am. And now, a lot of times what we do is we say, what I do is who I am. Can God address that? Can God change that? That's the thing he did to the, both the, the pagans and the religious folks alike. So nobody's exempt from this this morning. Going on, he says, but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and a good heart. And they hold it fast, they hold it tight. And they bear fruit with perseverance. Okay, hear this. What are you holding tight to 
in this parable. Like, what are you holding on to? The word is the seed, and he says, that's what you're holding fast to, right? You're holding on to it tight, and you are bearing fruit with perseverance. So the one that's going to bear fruit, remember, we, we already have somebody in this little parable that received the word with joy. That's already taken care of. But they didn't bear fruit because it didn't last. The one that's going to bear fruit is the one who says, I heard it. I'm living it. I'm not stopping living it. I'm not stopping believing it. I'm going to hold tight to it, and my perseverance is going to yield fruit. Now watch this. He says, or it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, make an environment that will lead to fruit because it's the word that produces the fruit. It says this in verse 16. Now, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a container or puts it under a bed. They put it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, and anything secret that will not be known and come to light, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen. Be careful how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. Be careful how you hear. What does he mean by this? Well, he just told you the power of, of, of the condition of your heart, how instrumental that is to his word being preached. At no point, and, and I want to tell you, Jesus was not an egomaniac. He spoke the truth in love, right? At no point does he ever put the blame for someone not receiving on himself. He never says, I should have said that a different way. I'm sorry. I should have called you after. I should have explained it better. No, he says, I gave you the word. What you did with it was up to you. Now, that might seem cold to you. We have to know. Sometimes when, when, when our version of God bucks up against uh, what he says about himself, and we go, I'd rather believe my version of God, you have to know God is perfectly good. Amen. He's perfectly love. Right? You cannot love God more than God loves you. He, you can't make God any more loving than he is. He is perfectly love. So if your version of God seems more loving to you, you're wrong about it. Because I tell you what, he is the most loving. He, you can never be more holy than God. You can't be more good than God. You can't be more kind than him. So if any time Jesus seems a bit callous, I want you to know that that's the blunt force you need to get moving. Right? That's what you need. That's the spark you need. If ever it feels like Jesus is being a little too hard, a little bit too blunt, I want you to know that he is shattering chains that are bonding people. And you can't shatter chains gently. Some things need to hit you hard. I've known people that have never moved in their life. I'm not talking about like moved addresses. I mean, they have never had any real movement in their life. And the problem is you could be at one place in the road and be doing great, but if you stay there too long, then, then, you're, then you're stagnant, then you're stuck, right? The problem's not really where you are in the road. The problem is that there's never been any movement in your life. I've known some people that have stayed the same place in their life, and because they stay in the same place, they're actually going backwards because they're, they're decaying, they're atrophying, right? Like this is happening. And, 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 and what we crave in that place is a word of comfort, what we crave is God saying to you, hey, you're doing great. Stay there. Stick it, stick it out. You're fine. But sometimes what we need is to, be, is to be jolted out of our complacency 
and, and have a word that will spark faith in our hearts and cause us to get up out of the ditch and say, I'm not staying there forever. This isn't where I belong. I, I'm following Jesus. And so sometimes Jesus doesn't come along with a comforter or a quilt. Sometimes he comes along with a poker and he says, hey, 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 get up. Because I don't want you to die in the ditch. Take care. Be careful how you listen this morning. Because it, it matters what you've been given. Every time God trusts you with revelation, every time he trusts you with revelation, he expects you to do something with it. Right? right? Remember, you couldn't come to this by yourself. Jesus said, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries. Right? Granted means somebody made a decision to give that to you. You, you didn't come to it because you finally figured out the, the secret code and, oh, I broke it. I cracked it. I know what, I know what this is all about. No. If anything, if anything ever clicks for you, it's God opening a door for you. It's God revealing something to you. So you, you receive that with thanksgiving and go, thank you, Lord. And, you know, maybe you need to be like Jesus talking to the disciples and go, thanks for revealing that to a baby like me. Thank you for revealing that to somebody like me because I never could have got there. I, I, I love people like this because people like this, they just keep going from revelation to revelation. But you know, I've noticed that people like this, they're never just about revelation. Like they're never just, they're never just sitting at home writing blogs. People that are, are honestly walking in the revelation of God, their life shows what they're, what they're receiving, Right? They're not just going, I've learned something else. Let me raise it down. I've learned something else. Let me commit that to my tape recorder. If you remember those, you know? No, 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 no. People that are truly walking in the revelation of God, like you're, they're living it out. You're seeing them walk it out. That's how revelation is, is. That's how the light, the lamp, gets put on a lampstand is you living out the revelation you have. Light in the scripture, especially in the gospels, is so often referring to revelation. When God talks about the light you have, you're living to the light you have. What light has he given you? It means what has he made known to you? What do you understand? And he says, be careful how you hear because you're responsible for what you've heard. You're not responsible for what professor what's-his-name has heard. You're not responsible for what that person on TV has heard. You're not responsible for what your neighbor sitting next to you has heard. You're responsible for what God has given you Every time the light comes on, do something with that. Every time the word enters your heart, do something with it. Even if it is just so simple as, my, as, as him saying, my word is a lamp, uh, that, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it finally clicks to you that that's how I know which direction I'm going to go in life is his word's going to shine a light on it. And once that clicks for you, do you know what you do with that? You say, okay, tomorrow I am going to get up. I'm going to look at the word of God and say, Lord, shine a light on my path. Show me the way I should go. That's how you're living up to the revelation you have. When you got a revelation of God's healing power, what did you do with that revelation? Right? The next time your, your, your spouse comes to you and goes, Man, I have a terrible headache. Praise the Lord. Thank God for Tylenol. But did you do something before you reached for the Tylenol? We've got this great revelation of healing, but you got a lot more faith in Tylenol than God. Yeah. Nothing wrong with Tylenol, as far as I know. But come on. That can't be our first move all the time. Because right. right. if we can't believe God for a headache, how are we going to believe God for a leg? How are we going to believe God for a heart? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you start with the little things that aren't life-threatening? 
Right? Start with the little things. Just try. Just to see. What, and if God says, you know what I want you to do? I want you to take a Tylenol. Go get the Tylenol. Praise the Lord. Do it in faith. God could tell you that, right? God gave us herbs and God gave us all these things. God gave us medicines. I'm not against medicines, but I want you to know something that we've got to live to the revelation we have or else that revelation just kind of goes away. So what light do you have? You got a light about evangelism? Go find somebody. You say, well, no, the Lord gave me a ministry. I'm supposed to preach in front of 10,000 people. I've said this so many times, so forgive me for saying it again. If you've got a ministry to speak in front of 10,000 people, just find the one person that will listen to you right now. And then the five people and then the ten people. Let God grow that. But if you can't talk to one guy at the gas station, who, what makes you think you're going to talk to 10,000 people on the other side of the world? So we live to the light we have. Be careful what you hear. Treat it as valuable. God is training you with this new firearm. Treat it with respect. It's the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. Sorry to mix metaphors. But if I gave you a real sword or a real knife that was actually sharp, you don't, just treat, you don't go around treating it like the plastic sword you had when you were a kid. Trusting you all had plastic swords when you were kids, <laughs> right? Justice, I, I, I know we're kin, kindred spirits here. You probably were like me, a good Christian boy with a sword that said sword of the spirit on it, right? <laughs> Some of you didn't grow up in church. You didn't know in the 80s all the Christian kids had full sets of armor that said breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. Yeah, belt of you. You still hit your brother with the same velocity. <laughs> But it was a holy hit because it was a sort of spirit. <laughs> uh, we told ourselves we're, we're learning about the Lord right now as we, as we battle. <laughs> I remember the shock when I went to like a secular store. Let me just say that, secular store. A, a, a store that was not a Christian store that had the same set of armor without all the stuff on it. I was like, they can't do this. <laughs> This is sanctified armor. Now, you can't wear that secular armor, you know? Anyways, church kid problems, right? You know, I, lo I, I was grateful. I enjoyed it. Take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away. Remember what Jesus just said, hold tight to the words you have. Now watch what he said. Even, the one that, even what you think you have, even what the person thinks they have will be taken away. Why? Because they don't really have it. They didn't possess it. They didn't grab hold of it. They didn't hold it. They didn't build their life on it, so they don't have it. Isn't that amazing that something could be a revelation to you and then it's gone? It no longer has any force in your life because you did nothing with it. Be careful what you hear. You should take it seriously when I come into the house of the Lord and, and we hear the word of God together. I'm careful what I hear because I know God's going to expect something from that. Because he doesn't throw out that seed without expecting something to happen. When I open my Bible tomorrow morning and I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, un unveil this to me, reveal stuff to me. I'm responsible. Be careful that you don't treat that casually. Amen. Be careful that you don't just treat it like, well, this is my devotional time. I owe God 10 minutes 
and I'm going to read a story about baseball that ties into this one scripture, and that's my time with the Lord. No, you, I mean, take some time. And even if you don't have a lot of time, treat that time as valuable. What am I hearing and what am I doing with it? Because God is not, he is so just, he is the definition of justice. He is so righteous, he is righteousness itself. And yet he may not line up with your version of fair. Because he's taking from those that don't have a lot and he's giving to those that have a whole bunch already. And I got real quiet here. We're talking about Revelation, right? He's going to give it to the ones that have shown they value what they have, they're using what they have, and to the one that treats it lightly and says, I don't care about this, it gets taken away. And he's not really concerned about making sure all the kids in preschool have the same amount of Play-Doh. He is giving to the one that's using it. Matthew 25. Matthew 25 is, um, Levi, Anita, I'm going to read this in the ESV. Um, The story of a man who's a businessman going out to do business, and he leaves his servants, his employees, to use our language today, right? He He leaves his employees to handle his finances, because this is a man that even when he's on vacation, even when he's on a business trip, he wants his money to be working for him. He wants to see results. And so what he does is he's hired people, he's employed people that can do the job. He's got people on staff that can do the job. Can you guess who we are in the story? Right? We're the people that he's entrusted to something. It says it, it will be like a man going on a journey. So what will be? The kingdom of God will be like this. And when is the kingdom of God? Right now. Right? He says the kingdom of God is near you. It's here. So he's not talking about like, you know, someday when Jesus returns, it'll be like this. He's talking about right now, this is the way it will be in my kingdom. Like a man going on a journey. Well, who went on a journey? Jesus, right? He ascended to the Father and he left his church. We're the guy. We're the employees here. (laughs) The good thing is we're not just employees. We're sons and daughters. This is a family business. But we've been left with a job. He called his servants and he entrusted to them his property. So everything he has, right? His property is all that he owns. He gave them and he trusted them with it. He trusted them with his credit card. He trusted them with his accounts. To one he gave five talents. Okay, so this is is actually um, um, a a form of currency in Jesus' time. But he gave five talents, and and this is actually where we get our word, our English word for talent, right? When we talk about that person is talented, it actually comes from this story of God uh, talking about, or Jesus talking about a master that entrusted somebody with something, and they were responsible for it. And so, you know, when our our English language was formed, uh, they used this as an example, that talents were like what God gave you, you're, you're supposed to do something with it. So we still use this word today in our language. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. It's interesting. Then he went away. Now, he doesn't give everybody the same amount. 
and that's okay because he gave it to them according to their ability. We don't know how long the, the guy with the most talents has been around. We don't know if they've all been working for the same amount of time, but we know that the master knows what they're capable of. Right? So this is not a bad thing. This is a very good thing. God knows what you're capable of. God knows, and we're talking today about God increasing our capacity, right? So in order for God to increase your capacity, you have to be faithful with what you've received. If you're faithful with what you've received, if you're faithful with the revelation you had, more, what did he say? To the one who has, more will be given. If you want God to expand your ability to hear, to expand that, that revelation, what you can understand, to, to use you in a greater sense, to expand the capacity of your life, you've got to be faithful with what you have. Thank God for dreams. Thank God for goals. But if you can't start here, then that's all fantasy land. So he says he gave five to one, two to another, and, 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 and another one he gave just one, each according to to their ability. God is not going to give you an amount that's going to kill you, amounts you can't handle. Now, I know some people, how many of you have heard the statement, the Lord never gives us more than we can handle? You heard that? It's not in the Bible. People usually say that when my dog died, my hamster died, and my bird died, but God wouldn't have killed all my animals unless he knew I could handle it. That's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is he says he would not allow you to be tempted Beyond what you're able, for with each temptation or trial, he provides a way of escape. The point of that isn't that God is the one killing your pets or God is the one making your kids sick. That's not what the scripture says. He says, he, 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 James is saying, every temptation that comes your way, every trial that comes your way, you have the tools to handle that. God has provided a way of escape because God loves you so much, he would never allow something to come against you that you couldn't handle. By his grace, you can, you can do this. He provided a way of escape. He provided a way of victory for you. So he's not say, So when we say, God never gives us more than I can handle, people usually use that to say, well, I, I crashed my car, I, my motorbike broke down, you know, my wife left me. I guess God's all doing this to me, but he wouldn't do it if I couldn't handle it. That's not in the scripture. But I will tell you, God won't give you more responsibility than you can handle. Because here, he gave it to their ability. He knows what you're able to handle. And he is able, if you're faithful with that level of ability, what you're able to do right now, he will grow you. He will cause you to, to, to mature and to grow up so that you can handle more. So if God gave you responsibility, you can handle it. Right? But you got to be brave. Look at this. In verse 16... He says, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Good for him, right? Good for him. He made five more. This guy's making money back. This guy's an asset to his employer. The word talent actually comes, you know, it's, it's, we're talking about something that's it's a weight, but this is, we're talking about somebody's like, I mean, multiples of their yearly wages, this is not cheap for them. This is something that is, is, is uh, you know, going to cost them something. This is something, uh, you know, my Bible says this. I don't know about yours, but it says a talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years wages for a laborer. One of my other Bibles said 15. Let's split the difference, 17, 18. 
Can you imagine being trusted with 20 years worth of wages? That's beyond what you're used to handling, right? That's beyond your monthly check. That's beyond what, you're, what you're, 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 you think your capacity is, right? You think your capacity is handling your wages, and God says, actually, you've got more capacity than that. I'm going to entrust you with 20 times what, you're, what you make in a year. What are you going to do with it? Right? Because when that happens, suddenly our reality has changed just like that. When the church in Jerusalem grew from 120 to 3,120, and then later 8,120, or however more they had, because they grew by 3,000 and 5,000, when they grew by those, those exponential amounts, those multiples, immediately what happens when you are given more than you've ever handled before is a sense of, sometimes a sense of dread. What am I going to do with this? I know, you know, there are times as, like, like as a church when, when we began to grow numerically and more people are coming, well, yeah, thank God for more people. We love more people. But now you've got problems you didn't have before. And now you're saying, well, I don't know. These are, this is big church problems or this is medium church problems. These are things we haven't dealt with. Well, this is God stretching you, saying, I'm going to trust you with something that's beyond you. Do what I would do. So also the one who had two talents made two talents more. So they are doubling this guy's investment. Till we get to this guy. He who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled his accounts with them. He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I made five talents more. Isn't that amazing? He made five times 20 times. That's 100 times his wage. The world would say, don't give that guy that much money. He can't handle it. Yes, he can. Look, he did. Gave him five talents back. He who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, so I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who also had the, received the one talent came forward, and he said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. Your fear always begins and ends with your image of God, doesn't it? His first image of his master isn't, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for training me. Thank you for believing me. His image of his master is, you're a hard man. I was afraid. If you can't sort out your image of God, if you can't sort out who he is to you and who you are to him, you're going to be gripped with fear. And you'll spend most of your life being like the religious people who just tried not to mess up. God didn't call you not to mess up. He called you to do something for his kingdom. He called you to be part, he called you to come into the family and walk like a son or a daughter. A son or a daughter has a confidence. Now I realize in this story, he's actually talking, he's not talking about sons and daughters, he's talking about servants. So you're a, you're a step up from these guys, right? But he's using this. He wants you to learn from it. He says, this is the way it is in my kingdom. I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Couldn't the master have done that himself? 
Couldn't he have put it in a safe? Like, he's not giving it to you, so you give it back pristine. And I just want to tell you, whatever God has given you, whatever, whatever gifts he's given you, whatever resource he's put in your hand, whatever revelation you've received, he is not saying, keep this safe, keep it secret, keep it safe. Don't let it get busted. And we live a lot of our Christian life that way, right? You know, I, 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 I notice like on, on uh, social media now, we got TikTok theologians. Anybody like some TikTok theologians? No. I'm so surprised. <laughs> You're not into TikTok. Okay. Well, there goes my sermon. No, I'm just kidding. You got TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. You got all the others. YouTube. And uh, it's, it's become very easy to spread revelation. It's also become very easy to mock it. And so, you know, sometimes what you do is if you want a, a good following, you just sit back at the back of the classroom and throw erasers, and you just say, that's stupid, that's stupid, that's stupid. And uh, I've noticed there's some accounts, and no, you know, I'm not going to name them or anything, but there are some accounts, all they do is pick apart everybody's imperfect theology, pick apart every little flaw that anybody ever has, and I can find no evidence of fruit in their own life or ministry. It's just, this is what they're doing, they're doing, they're doing, they're doing. they don't seem to be doing anything themselves. It's very risk-free to sit back and critique everybody else and mock everybody else and just scoff at them, right? Sit in the seat of scoffers. But instead, when you step out there and go, I'm going to take a risk. Now, I'm not going to get off the word of God. I'm not going to get off the spirit. I'm not going to disobey the spirit of God. I'm not going to go rogue. I'm going to obey the voice of the Lord. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stay comfortable where I always am and make sure that nobody can criticize me. You can live a life that nobody can criticize, but God didn't call you to that. Jesus was criticized all the time. Right? We want to be a church nobody can criticize. Let's just take everything out that, that might be in any way abrasive or in any way a little bit shocking. What you're saying is, Spirit of God, please stay away. We want a sterile environment. A sterile environment where nothing will grow. Problem with a sterile environment, it is dead as a doornail. It is dead. It is not, nothing's going to grow on it. Nothing new, no new life's going to sprout up. It, what you have is what you've got. And you're gonna, your job is just going to be scrubbing walls, making sure nobody's critiquing it. Instead of just saying, I'm going to go and do something for the Lord. What, Lord, what do you have for me to do? Now listen, don't go beyond what God gave you. Remember Paul said, I, he said, I am not trying to go beyond the sphere that God gave me. I am not trying to step into another man or another woman's ministry. I'm not trying to go beyond the sphere that God apportioned to me. And this is a sphere that includes you and is being enlarged by you. So Paul understands that God gave him a sphere of grace. This is what you're meant to do, Paul. And within that sphere, I know I'm walking in the grace of God. I'm walking in the anointing and the power of God. I know this is where God called me to be. He, he was very clear on this. I know I'm an apostle because God called me. And I know I'm called to you guys. But Paul didn't say he's called to everybody. He knew the ones that were in his sphere. He knew the ministry was in his sphere. And he was 
he trusted God enough not to get greedy and say, I'm going to push beyond my sphere because I want the biggest ministry in the world. No, he knew that God is enlarging my sphere. God will apportion it. I've seen many people step beyond their grace, step outside because they were, they were grasping, right? They were panicking. Peter said this. He said, you young men, submit yourself to the elders. Because he says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He says, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He talks, or that's James, but, but Peter says something very similar. He talks about how, how as, as a young man, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you at the proper time. If you'll humble yourself and say, I'm going to do what I'm called to do right now, God will exalt you at the right time. He'll put you on a lampstand. Here, the master knows exactly how much you should be able to handle. The guy who got two didn't say, look, I'm just as good as the guy who gave five to. He didn't complain. What did he do? He, he did the same thing. He doubled the investment. And it's actually after his report that, that the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. Now, the way I read it, it seems like the master's talking to that guy, the guy in the middle. None of us here want to be the guy in the middle, right? You don't want to be the guy in the middle. You don't want to be middle management. I guess you do, all right. But, you know, <laughs> that's, not the, that's, not what, that's not what songs are written about. Someday I'll climb to the middle of the mountain. I won't be great. I'll be pretty good. You know, like we're not, that's not our dream. My dream is to be on the award show, not the, the night. My dream is to be in the award show, the one that they do off camera, like the night before. But this guy, he did what he was given to do. And to him, the master says, you were faithful over little. I'll make you a rule over much. If you spit at the little, God will never give you anything more than that. In fact, he'll take that away and give it to the one who will, who will value it, who will see it as something. The only guy that gets chastised, and, and this, is what, this is what the master says. He says, then you ought, his master answered him, sorry, you wicked and lazy or slothful servant. Because avoiding risk in your life is lazy. Never doing anything with what God gave you is lazy. You can be lazy this morning. You can go and go, I did my job, I went to church. Check. Took my kids. Check. Shook some hands. Check. I'm done. Or you can say, Lord, what, what were you speaking to me today? And what do you want me to do with it? Because what you're doing is you're saying, okay, you're trusting me with some revelation this morning. So what do you want me to do with that revelation? You wicked and slothful, lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I scattered no seed. You knew that because I heard you talking about it. He says, then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Like, you didn't even have to take a big investment risk. Just put it in the bank, I would have at least got interest. Remember, we're talking about 15 to 20 years of this guy's wages. Not a small amount. And he put it in the ground. Gave it back and thought he'd get a pat on the back for that. Gave it back to you. I didn't mess up, Lord. 
Lord, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have a horrible <laughs> public moral failure here. God wants more than this. He says, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Did you catch that? The guy who was given five, invested, and got five back, the master didn't take that money back and say, thank you, I'm back now, I'll take care of it. That man now has ten talents to work with. The master's saying, keep it rolling, you're in charge of that now, that's your ten talents. Isn't that awesome? He came back and said, you were faithful over it? Okay, you've shown yourself. Now, that's your ten talents to manage. No, take another one, 11. Is that fair? Is that fair? Would people today say that God is just taken away from the guy who only had one, giving it to the guy that had ten? No, God is just. You just got to say God's just, right? This is how he does it. If you don't like it, then, then, then come to him and say, Lord, I don't understand you. Help me to know you. Because I promise you one thing, there, he is the source of all good. So here's what he says. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has ten talents. For to, one, to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not, even what he has will be taken away. Here's the good news. Everybody gets something. Everybody gets some talents to work with. Everybody gets some revelation to run with. Everybody gets some light in their lampstand. Maybe your light is that ultra halogen one that God trusts you to light up a whole city. Maybe your light can light up a tent. So light up your tent. And God moves you to a cabin. And God moves you to a house, right? Just do, use what God has given you. Be faithful with it. What did he say? If you're faithful with little, I'll make you ruler over much. Praise God. We're talking about God trusting you with responsibility. Ruler means you're in charge of something. You have authority in your life. I want you to know this and I want you to get it. Uh, we have this fatalistic mindset about God like, like we have nothing to say. We, we have no responsibility or authority in this kingdom. He just does what he wants and we're the puppets he moves around. That's not the Bible though. Jesus makes it very clear. The apostles made it very clear that God has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness, that he has put his fullness into his church. And so it's not God just going, step aside, let me do my thing. It's God saying, I'm going, and while I'm gone, occupy, continue, do business while I'm gone. I want you to take what I've given you and give me something back. You got five people that are listening to you. Those five people, that's your small group, all right? That's your, your five people on the rigs. That's your life group right now. Amen. Pour into them. Amen. Preach the gospel to them. Love them. And then watch what God does. Use what God has given. Take seriously what God has spoken. If you'll be careful what you hear. I, remember, the response is not meant to be fear. See, if you're hearing this and going, be careful, that makes me afraid. Remember, fear will cause you to bury things in the ground. Faith will cause you to invest. I'll tell you real quick, we, I was gathered um, years ago. Uh, some of us younger, at the time, younger ministers gathered in Canmore and spent some time together. 
and prayed together and shared the word together. And we asked, um, we asked David McGrew to come and, and, and pour into us. We wanted someone older to speak into our hearts and lives. And he was talking about this parable, and he was saying, you know, the danger for a lot of you is you'll never take any risks for the kingdom of God. Oh, man, okay. At the end of it, he, he preached on it, preached on it better than I'd have today, but he said, uh, he said, any questions? I said, I have one. Um, in this story, we saw three people, two of who invested the talents and they made something back, and one who buried it and, and didn't make anything, just gave it back. I said, but why doesn't Jesus include one guy that, like, invested it and lost everything. <laughs> I want to know what happens to that guy. How come he's not in the parable? Because that's, that's, that's what I'm concerned. Did I end up being that dude? <laughs> and uh, David said, well, I think there's a reason Jesus, Jesus didn't put that guy in. He said, I think his point is, and this is his opinion, but he goes, I think his point is over the long term, over the big picture. If you'll be faithful to keep investing, keep stepping out in faith on what God is doing, you're always going to come out ahead. You're always going to come out with, with a return because that's what Jesus says. He who sows will reap. This, you will bear fruit. Now, maybe in the short term, you have some setbacks. Maybe in the short term, you have some moments where you felt like you lost your shirt. But if you will stay faithful in the long term, God's word proves true every time. In the short term, it does too. You just don't see it as clearly sometimes. It's always true. And so I, I, that was heartening for me because, yeah, it's a good point. Jesus doesn't include anybody that took a risk for him and lost it because, you know what? He's the Lord. He knows what you were capable of. He wouldn't have given you something if he didn't trust you to use it. What gifts has God given you? What talents has he given you? What, what revelation has he entrusted you with? Quit chasing revelation you didn't get. You know? Quit reading books that make no sense to you. Like, be faithful with this foundational stuff and then let it grow from there. Or else you'll have a shaky shack, yeah. you know, where it's all built on theories and, 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 and things that somebody put out there. And you'll have no foundation that will stand in a storm. Start with what you know. And when you receive revelation, you know it. Yeah. You know God's trusting me with something right now. I'm going to step into it.